Welcome back. If you left and you discovered there's no discovery, we're apologetic about that. We are, uh, you know what, it calls for one more, one more joke, I think, before we get going. What do you call, since we're on a, a cow theme, what do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ground beef. That's right. <laughs> right? Ground beef. That's right. Okay, so, my, my name is Steve, and I'll be picking up uh, this uh, underqualified theme today. We've been doing a series of the last uh, couple of weeks, months perhaps, there's 12 weeks in the series because there's 12 disciples, so that's how that works. So, I drew a name today, and where are you? There's some people here very interested to know who it is, and I'm not going to say quite yet. So we've been going through this series, and we've been looking at the people's characteristics, and we've also uncovered you know, some character flaws, some imperfections along the way. That's shocking, right? These men were chosen to follow Jesus, and uh, we found out a lot of good things and some bad things and some things that really help us to resonate with these people. And that's what I really want um, you to leave with today. Um, as you leave today, I want you to really be thinking about this, what we talk about today, ruminate on this stuff today. No pun intended with the pot in front of me, but um, yeah, so if you're, if you're anything like me, I had to remind myself daily, actually, that I must be like those 12 original guys, full of imperfections and um, characteristics that are good and characteristics that are bad and things that I say that are on point and things that I say that are off point. And because we're human, right? We can all, all the humans in the, in the house, put up your hands. Thank you. So I'm not the only one. Okay, so... We'll start on that baseline. So we'll all agree that we're very similar with, uh, with these 12 that we've been studying. And if you're like me, you like to think that we can grow, mature, whatever it is that you'd like to call it, over time. And in studying John, I recognize that in him as well. He was a man who wanted to grow. He wanted to mature. He wanted to... Uh, this could be my last sermon if I don't put my timer on. Hold on. I'll get a strongly worded email on Monday. <clears throat> yeah, so I recognize that in John too. I, I, John as well, not John too. I sat down when I figured out I was when I knew I was I received John to talk about, I sat down and I looked at his gospel and I read it right through and I read first John, second John, and third John, and I'll read Revelation in the future. Um, but I saw John's progression as a as a man who was called by Jesus, as a man who followed Jesus, I saw his his good, his really good points. I saw his wrinkles. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, how John and James, because they were brothers, were called the uh, 
Sons of Thunder. I wasn't here um, for that. I was teaching youth, but you guys uh, spent some time talking about that in a little bit of detail. Um, so by way of talking about John today, I also want to give an object lesson. After all, I am a youth pastor, and I love uh, object lessons. So if you bear with me and follow me through, um, I'd like to use this pot and some objects um, for today's lesson. So I have with me a carrot. Can everyone see that? Not 18 carrots, just one carrot. Um, I have an egg with me. And I have a coffee bean. Now, you might not be able to see that, but for those of you online, it is right. <laughs> hey, where have you been? <laughs> All right, this is not scripted, folks, obviously. And so I have a coffee bean. And today we're going to look, look at these three items in reference to this pot that's also on the table in front of me. I'm, I didn't fill this water we're just, with water. We're just going to have to use our imaginations that this is a pot of boiling water. Over day camp week, they had me using nefarious amounts of different substances that would burn a person's face off. And so I went with an empty pot, trusting you to imagine that it's full of boiling water. So audience interaction, what do you think over time would happen to this egg, to this egg, well, to this carrot, if I drop this carrot in this pot of, bo of boiling water? What do you think would happen over time? Aaron, I'm coming to you if I don't get any answers. What do you think? Disintegrate? Wow, that would be a long time. What, what would happen before it disintegrates? gets off, right? Do you agree with that? It would get soft? Okay. So we'll put that in our pot. And I just wanted to talk about this really doesn't reference John because sometimes when we see John in, uh, in paintings, in artist depictions, we see John laying on the, laying on the chest of Jesus. We see John just soaking it in. Um, just, just being in the presence of the Lord. A great place to be. That's not really who John is. <laughs> Remember, we, he was nicknamed the Son of Thunder. Um, I don't know about you, but I have never, ever looked outside during a storm and going, oh, it's thundering. How cute. How meek is that thunder? I've never done that. So John had a side to him that he was, uh, you know, Peter gets slagged on all the time, right? Peter gets dished all the time about, you know, jumping and, and doing things that were, that were um, a little out of control. But John, he, had, uh, he was fiery, and uh, he always saw things in black and white. Um, throughout, his, uh, throughout his book of John, he, and I'm just going to read these through, so... He talks about things in cut and dry opposites, black and white opposites. And he deals with truth in absolutes. So it's either this or it's this. There's no gray with John at the beginning of 
John's life. So, backing up a little bit to this pot, the, and we're going to pretend this, world, this pot is the world, and it's boiling, and it's roiling, and there's lots of noise inside the pot as it's, as it's moving around. And we're going to imagine, again, that this pot um, is indicative of changing society, changing norms, uh, changing belief systems. All sorts of things are boiling around. It's, it's, it's more than a tempest in this pot. It's boiling around. There's lots of noise. And some people, if they're not careful, when, when placed in this world, and, and this is a cautionary tale to us Christians, we can become softened by the world. This is not the case with John. Um, that's a whole, this is a whole, the carrot is a whole other series, possibly. Mike, you listening? This is a whole other series on how we are told actually in Romans 12 and 2, not John writing this time, but Paul writing. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you in a new, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this could happen, but this wasn't John. John was, John was a guy who knew the truth. He hung out with a man who called himself the truth. That was John. He was all about it. So John's not the carrot at all. So John is dealing with absolutes, and he's talking about light versus darkness, and life versus death, and king, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the devil, and children of God versus children of Satan, and the judgment of the righteous versus the judgment of the unrighteous. And he's talking about the resurrection of life versus the resurrection of... Do you see how there's no gray in between for John? It's this or that. He's talking about receiving and not receiving Christ. He's talking about fruit and unfruitfulness. He's talking about obedience and disobedience. He's talking about love and hatred. Throughout his, throughout his book, these are his themes. So he's, he's got this mindset, uh, and he's got this, this need, this desire, this want, for you and I to sit 2,000 years later and sit in his book and wow, go, wow. God is a God of absolutes. God is a God of truth. And John felt the need to, to share that. But a zealot for truth in this same pot, with the heat being intense, the roiling of the water is still loud, the boiling effects of changing culture, to that person, to that type of person, what would it do to this egg? What would it do to this egg? What would it do to harden the egg? Where? On the inside. It would harden. So if John was easily hardened on the inside because he, his, his truth, his absolutes, his black and white, came into direct opposition with the world he was in, Direct opposition with the Pharisees. Direct opposition with Judaism. 
direct opposition with the, the, the morals, the values, the ethics of his society. Who else is in that same place? <laughs> you and I, right? So I can be, I can hold strongly to the truth. I can know the truth in my heart. I can read the truth in God's Word. But if I go through life in this pot that is our society, our culture, our, our... You know, I came across a man walking downtown yesterday, and I must admit that sometimes I, I think in politically correct ways. <laughs> that might be surprising. But I do, and I saw this man, and he was, wearing a, he was wearing a hat that denotes people of the Muslim faith. And he didn't look Muslim. <laughs> but then I saw his shirt, and his shirt said, yes, I am a Muslim. And I went, okay, okay. So first, I judged this man based on his looks and thought, that's cultural misappropriation, buddy. You shouldn't be wearing that. And uh, I didn't say that to him. I just thought that. And then I saw his shirt and thought, here's a man who's not afraid to stand up for his faith. Here's a man who's not afraid to take a stand. And where am I in that world? But if I, as, if I, as an egg, am in this culture and I have my heart set on absolute truth, but I don't have love. I just, I get hardened. I, I boil inside. I boil. I, I do. I boil inside. So we'll, we'll take a rabbit hole for a second. So I cycle, not this year very much, but in years past I cycle, and I road cycle on the side of a road. And uh, I've come home many times and said to my wife, man, I blew a gasket at people who came up beside me and blacked me with their, with their diesel engine or um, did stupid things like yelled out the window at me to try to throw me off my ride or whatever. And I blew a gasket and said not so very nice things that I had to apologize for later. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to say Jesus loves you every time that happens. So I'm riding along, picture this, I'm in a roundabout at Cowan and an 18-wheeler, an 18-wheeler decides to come into my roundabout at the same time. Me, 100 pounds, me. Who's laughing at that? Um, decked out in spandex. I'm on my 19-pound bike. And, buddy, I have no idea how much this guy weighs. Decides to come in my roundabout with me. So, it was occasions like that that I decided to change my language and scream, Jesus loves you. He didn't hear me. But when I got home, Robin said, how'd your ride go today? And I said, I shared the gospel so much today. <laughs> anyway, back to John. So, with John... With, with him having the truth inside of him and sitting in this place of, of absolute uh, right and wrong, life and death, followers of Christ, non-followers of Christ, resurrection of 
life, resurrection of damnation in this pot, with that mindset, he had a propensity to be hardened. Not only that, John, Peter, and James were on this mountain. We Christians refer to it as the mountain of transfiguration. It was just where Jesus' glory was, was, uh, was demonstrated. It's kind of like a veil was torn off and, and they could see his glory. And there was a whole bunch of, there was some interaction with some people from the, from the Old Testament were there. And um, there was some interaction. But John and Peter and James, they after that thought they were all that in a bag of chips. They discussed amongst themselves because the Jesus told them, said, don't tell anyone what you've seen today. <laughs> that hasn't worked out in the past, right? He's healed people, and those people have gone on to like, spill the beans. And so here's these guys, Peter, uh, John, and James, and they've got this, this inside information. They have seen this glory shining forth, and they uh, start to bicker among themselves who's going to be the greatest. So James, uh, John has this, this side to him, this edge to him. We'll learn some really good things about him. I'm not painting John in a bad light, but um, John's got this edge to him. And on one occasion, John recorded for us in Mark, John is... Uh, comes across this man, and this man is casting out demons in Jesus' name. Who finds anything wrong with that? This man was casting out demons in Jesus' name. Good? Good, right? Not to John, <laughs> because this man also didn't roll with John. He wasn't in John's circle. So John went to Jesus and said, um, by the way, there was a man casting out demons in your name, and we told him to stop. We sent him that strongly worded email and asked him to stop doing that. And Jesus goes, um, what did you say again, John? Repeat that back to me in those exact same words. And John said, we found a man casting out demons in your name. Say it again, John. You're, you're almost there. We found a man casting out demons in your, in, oh, in my, oh, in my, okay, cool, okay. So he kind of chastised John, and John got the point. So John's this hardened, boiled egg. He's, he's got the truth. He holds really, really firmly to it. But he's in this, he's in this pot when he comes against this, this guy who's casting out demons. He doesn't really see that it's in Jesus' name. It just goes, you're not one of our crew. Like you're, so stop then. Um, so Jesus kind of chastises them, brings that to his memory. Um, and so I saw in my, reading of, uh, in my reading and study of John that John tends to uh, look like his approach is changing. And I really like the way his approach changes. Um, because one of his other big themes is that is about love. So not only has he got a great understanding and grasp of truth, but he also has this underlying um, theme to him of love. 
Listen to what he teaches us. John teaches us that God is a God of love. He teaches us that God loved his own son, right? John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament for sure. He teaches us that God loves his own son. He teaches us in that same verse that God loved the world, loves the world. He teaches us that God is loved by Christ and that Christ loves his disciples and that Christ's disciples love him and Jesus' followers should love him too and we should love one another and love fulfills the law. So he's, that's John. So not only is he all about truth, and that's really, really good, but he's also about love. So when Jesus brings them into, into kind of kind of checks them, um, John says, oh yeah, so about that love thing. And it starts to, it starts to change him. He starts to put a little bit more of a focus on love. But what is love anyway? What does love look like? What does love act like? You ready for this? Let's look at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13 and three verses there. What does love look like? Uh, no, they were really okay. I will just read. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. Love does not rejoice in, in injustice. Love rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and then endures through every circumstance. Is that a tall order? So we're going from this place of, of, of John really holding on to truth to this place of love. So does anyone find that a really tall order to live up to, all those things? Yeah, in the words of Dr. Phil, hey, how's that working out for you? Yeah, so reading through those verses in 1 Corinthians really puts a perspective on, and I'm leading into my last thing, John witnessed this humility in love, and he witnessed Christ actually washing the feet of the, of the disciples. He was witness to those things. The truly godly person will cultivate a love for the truth, a love for the truth, tempered in love. So here we come to this coffee bean. This coffee bean. Small. Looks insignificant. I won't throw it this time. Looks insignificant. What happens when we put this coffee bean into this same... Remember, it's boiling. We're using our imagination today. It's boiling. It's roiling. It's loud. The culture is changing. Thoughts about Jesus are changing. Um, TV shows are telling us that God doesn't exist. Our teachers at school are telling us that God doesn't exist. This is the world that we live in. What happens to this coffee bean if it's put in this water? Any guesses? Flavor and aroma. You know what it does to this water? This water can no longer be called water. This water is now called coffee. See what it did? 
You see what happened to this guy or gal? They got softened by this world. The world got into them. And there's my timer. The world got into them. The world uh, messed with their minds and they, they, got, they got softened to the world. They, they kind of succumbed to the world's ideology and thoughts, morals, values, ethics, all that stuff. So that's, the one, that's, how, that's how we can be, how we could be. Or we could be like this egg, where we are in that same tumultuous boiling water, and the heat just chafes us. The heat just gets us going on the inside, and we boil and we boil and we go and we turn against. We turn. We 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 just become hardened and jaded. But then, here's the third thing we could be like. We could be like John. So John, in the first, second, and third John, refers to the people he's writing to in those epistles as my, my children, my dearly beloved. Does that sound like an egg? It doesn't sound like an egg anymore. He sounds like it's coffee bean. He sounds like he has changed. No, he hasn't walked away from the truth. Not at all. Read first, second, and third John. He hasn't walked away from the truth. He doubles down on the truth, actually, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But he does it from a place of love and respect. And I think I would like to suggest and challenge us today that you and I have a choice. As Christians in this world, we can be a carrot, we can be an egg, we can be a coffee bean. Aaron, do you want to come and play us out after I pray? Father, we thank you for this study of John and just looking at him and how he kind of transitioned into being a man that was, uh, that was holding so strong to the truth that he, um, that he chastised this, this man and that um, how John indicates how sometimes our hearts are. When we've spent time with you, we might get to feel high and mighty on ourselves um, and how Jesus also corrected that. But then we think about how Jesus um, demonstrated humility in watching, washing the disciples' feet and how John saw that, witnessed it, and it softened his approach. And how that when he gets into his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's actually um, softened quite a bit. We thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that as Christians we can today hold on to that. We thank you that we can have that as our, as our root faith, that you are truth. But we pray that we would be able to um, go about our lives, interact with our families and our society and our culture in a way that um, would, would be like this coffee bean, that we would change um, that we would seek to change the world. And I'm praying in Christ's name. Amen.